Autobots Transform. Well, hey, welcome back to the Transformers Nitpickers Podcast Show. I'm Paul. I'm John. And today it is episode 16 of Transformers Energon. It is go for Unicron, and we are going to Atlantic City. Finally. Again. For now. This episode was written by Show Shut up back there. <clears throat> Sorry. And last time on Transformers Energon, Megatron launched artificial, let's call them comets at Earth, asteroids, whatever they were. But uh, Rodimus also revealed he may not be working for the Autobot cause. Who knows? And in this episode, we watched that whole thing with Scorponok again. Yep, we're seeing it again, and Scorponok's still strapped to this thing, smashing into the barrier. And Alpha Q was like, oh, I can't do anything to help him. And Megatron thinks things are going according to plan. And when Alpha Q shows up to rescue Scorponok, the Decepticons will smash him one. Now, now, I think, Paul, I'm pretty sure we can both agree that uh, with this whole Scorponok thing, what is probably our consensus, because uh, yes. uh, a lot of it doesn't make sense. But I'm, I think a second consensus might be that when they do the close-up on uh, Scorponok's face, and they did it at the end of the last episode, um, Scorponok's face in traditional hand-drawn animation looks so much better. And... It, for a kid's show, it's pretty intense. Like, the it way is. he's screaming and, and the, the expressions on his face. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's intense. But uh, it's, we then go to Carlos, who's at his gate station 8, I think it's called. Um, and he, he says, hey, uh, calls Optimus and says, hey, we're tracking two Terracons. It was the two that Ironhide put a tracking uh, chip on. He says, we're tracking them, but they're like light years apart in entirely different planetary systems. But if they're light years apart... That would mean they need to be in two different star systems, right? Like, which could be possible, but uh, either way, Ironhide's like, I can explain. I plan at the transmitters, and that's it. That that's his whole explanation. Oh, thanks <laughs> for the explanation, Ironhide. Time to go to the credits. This like, episode's that's over. That's all he's got. <laughs> oh God. Um, and <laughs> I love this though. Uh, Carlos, at, he's like, here's here's the diagram in the grid of space he's showing, and it it comes up and it's just shapes. It's yes. circles and triangles and grids, and and there is no grid of the universe here. But he's like, as you can see, yeah, it's just <laughs> it's spinning around. It's like I, there's not even a red dot here, dude. Whatever. <laughs> But uh, Optimus thinks this is probably a trick, and we'll just have to check it out to be sure. And meanwhile, Scorponok is still strapped to this part of the thing that blew off when the comet exploded. This is what I'm saying. What? I thought he was dead or crushed against the grid or something. But no, there's just a chunk of this comet floating through space, and he's still tied to the giant slab he was tied to. Yep, and Megatron's getting annoyed that no one's showing up for them to ambush, and then Rodimus and his boys show up for them to ambush. But <laughs> Prowl and Landmine think this is absolutely a trap, so Rodimus Optimus leaves it behind, and then they go after him anyway. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah, whatever. The, uh, I think Landmine's kind of going to be the clown. He's Is he the blue one? Or no, Prowl's the blue one, right? Yeah. Okay. I think Prowl's going to be the clown of the group. Um, but the, their ship, uh, Starscream sees their ship come down. And they bas- they talk some bit, a uh, bit, and then they start fighting. And the this is kind of a... A goofy battle. Like, it starts with Prowl falling on his face. Yes. <laughs> and then when Megatron shows up, there's a lot of people slipping and falling on their faces and legs going overhead. And, and just, like, at one point, I think it's <laughs> Their feet are still kicking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At one point, Tidal Wave is like, oh, this is going to hurt. And then I, yes. somebody runs into him. There's I'm a in lot trouble. of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. 
But then something fires at the Autobots, and Rodimus looks to see what fired at them, and it's the Decepticons, all of them, hovering over him. And Rodimus recognizes Megatron because he hasn't changed since the last time they met, which was 8,000 eons <laughs> yeah, ago. Like, he's completely he's different. different. The, the only thing that's the same is his voice. And technically the name, because he should be Cyclonus now, but whatever. The, so this this goofy battle, it continues on. There's that thing I mentioned with the tidal wave, and uh, there's some power linking. It's kind of eh, but at the end, Megatron does his Megatron thing where he's like, I'm going to run away with my tail between my legs now, but you're lucky, I'll get you next time. It's like, dude... You're not scaring anybody. Yeah, and Rodimus goes over to Scorponok and asks, like, man, you okay? And uh, thinks that they need to get Scorponok back to his planet, which I guess means Unicron. And Alpha Q, I guess uh, Scorponok has a vision of him, or he's thinking about him, tells him, don't trust Rodimus, but I guess he does trust him because then it shows the slab he was tied to completely empty. Yeah, commercial break? It was something, but uh, now we're on the moon, and Dr. Jones has called everyone together to unveil his latest project he somehow developed without the Autobots knowing, a starship. This guy, okay, I don't like Dr. Kicker's dad, but this guy figured out interstellar travel a couple weeks after resolving the energy crisis on Earth and inventing a global protection grid. <laughs> Just, uh, he is a dick, but, you know, let him run the planet. Yeah, exactly. Why is he doing all this stuff in secret? Like, just like surprising people? <laughs> but, yeah. And how do you build a... Whatever. But it's going to solve the problem that they don't even have of traveling to the other planets in the solar system. And it's powered by a small-scale Energon tower. Aren't Energon towers things that use Energon to defend things? Paul? Take your logic and walk right out the fucking door. <laughs> it's oh, it's so it's all dumb. Also, the problem this solves is the problem of how are we going to completely derail this show in the next couple episodes? Because apparently now the entire focus of the show is going to be either to go and find Energon throughout the cosmos, or to find two transmitters placed on either <laughs> end of, the, I guess, their planetary system, some planetary system, and this will destroy Unicron. Yes! Somehow <sighs> destroying transmitters is going to destroy Unicron, Optimus says. Like... Uh, they missed something there when they translated it. Yeah, the, the only thing that I'm not surprised about here is that the storyline has completely changed on us. Were you invested before? Well, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but now we're on the bridge of this thing, and Ironhide tells Kicker, you know, we're going into space, and, you know, you're scared of space. I mean, as you should be, because you're a human. But I'll protect you. Oh, 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 also, Misha has a suit now. I, I yes. was happy to see that. Very Kill Bill. Yeah, it's, it's the yellow kind of jumpsuit thing. Uh, but then the Decepticons, <laughs> they detect the ship, I guess by, uh, was it Demolisher? Just, or was, no, Cyclonus, or sorry, Snowcat, comes running up just like with his arms waving. Yes. Going, Megatron, Megatron, Megatron! Just comes tearing into the throne <laughs> he looks room. looks like a Muppet. Yeah, yeah, like Kermit waving his arms at the first of that. It's exactly that. But he comes in the throne room, and he's, I think Megatron's like, watch, is it Snowcat? And he's like, we've detected an Autobot ship approaching. And on that Autobot ship, they launch in Energon ring, they call it, and when it gets five kilometers out, it separates and prepares to create a space bridge, so is this kind of like in Animated, where the Autobots had, like, infrastructure in place, like space bridges all over the place, and this is just how it starts when you build one, like, this thing's going to be permanent, is that what they're doing? Otherwise, you took a space bridge to get here to make a space bridge to keep going, like, wouldn't you Maybe go? space bridges can only get 
go so far, so you yeah. have to kind of like build the next rung of the ladder, and this is that network. Maybe the writers really don't give a shit, and you and I are reading <laughs> way too much into this show. But that's the point of this podcast. Um, however, they're setting up this Energon Bridge, which admittedly as a a set piece. I do like it because it puts them at a very weak point and as soon as they're at their weakest with this thing just about ready to deploy the Decepticons show up and um, I think it's Snowcat shoots the Energon ring. Yeah, just as Misha's about to you know light this thing up and get it going Snowcat blasts one of the parts of this Energon ring and now the entire thing is a paperweight floating in space. Yeah, feels like they should have planned better. Uh, luckily they, they do have uh, two Omnicons Skyblast and Strongarm I think it was those two are on this trip, so they get sent out to repair because they're the only ones that can touch Energon, and the rest of the Autobots go out to fight the Decepticons, and Kicker and Misha stay on the ship, but for whatever reason, Kicker's left in charge. Yes. I don't think it matters. <laughs> I don't know. I think I would have left her in charge. Really? But uh, yeah, the Autobots get outside and Optimus forms Voltron, and the Autobots engage the Decepticons, and Skyblast and Strongarm get to the damaged part of the space bridge, and Skyblast figures... You're going to need to cover us for about 10 minutes for me to fix this thing. And they do at first, and then they don't. Actually, they do cover them, and then uh, it comes down to a fight between Cyclonus, who's sneaking up on them, and Ironhide. And they fight for a bit, and then Ironhide, being the genius he is, throws Cyclonus away into the Omnicons. Yeah, they get knocked away from this thing that they're fixing, and Ironhide does manage to get a hold of them before they drift off too far, but they're now too banged up and smashed to finish the job, and Optimus reminds us that only Omnicons can go near Raw Energon, and apparently retreating back to Earth is out of the question, and space bridging in 60 or 70 other Omnicons in from Earth to fix the thing would just be silly, and Kicker realizes, it's up to me! Before he realizes that, though, they have, like, this Zoom call on the bridge of the ship. Um, and did you notice that when Ironhide came on, he was talking in Strongarm's voice? Yeah, or- the, there's a lot of that where it, they're talking with the wrong voices. There's one point where it looks like Hotshot turns around, but then it's Strongarm talking with Hotshot's voice. It's, it is what it is. Uh, so, yeah, Kicker heads out. He suits up, heads out. <laughs> I love this. He gets, there's a very big shot of, like, these hangar doors opening, and he stands there small. Yeah. Visually, it's, it's this back-on-the-horse moment. I'm going to do this. And then he trips. Yeah, immediately, the whole thing just goes sideways when his foot gets caught on a rope that's there for some reason. What like, a for boner. a second, I thought, okay, it's just a tether, so he can pull himself back in, but it, it's not that long a rope. Oh, I know. Uh, he's, he's spinning around. Oh, my God, it's happening again. No, no. And all the Autobots just come in like, just be calm, buddy. We're all with you. You can do it. Yeah, well, it's kind of like the end of the, the, the PSA, I guess you'd call it, at the end of that G.I. Joe episode where the kid falls over the cliff into the ocean and Torpedo just happens to be there and teaches him how to tread water. Oh, yeah. Except yeah. that actually works in real life, what Torpedo tells him to do. Kickers in space, just moving your arms around is not going to help you move in space. For what it's worth, I would say the majority, if not all, of the knowing his half the battle little um, PSA things that G.I. Joe did back in the 80s, I'm going to, you know, I'll put my money where my mouth is figuratively, and uh, say that they all, they were all valid. Everything from, like... The, the, the one with the nosebleed? I was that just works. thinking of the one with the nosebleed. That works. <laughs> yeah. The not touching down powered lines, about the thin ice, there were, yeah, like, not hiding in, uh, you know, there was one about kids playing hide-and-seek on a construction site, and, like, one of them got trapped in a fridge. Like, that's all real legitimate stuff. For kids, for what it's worth, in the 70s and the 80s, there was a bit of an epidemic of kids getting trapped in fridges because they <laughs> couldn't open from the inside. They well, had yeah, a latch, on the, had a latch on the outside. 
said, yeah. yeah. In fact, Back to the Future was originally going to be a fridge and not a DeLorean, but then the producers were like, no, because there's going to be even more kids climbing in fridges now, so they turned it into a DeLorean. Because <laughs> there's less DeLoreans than fridges, so they didn't need to worry. <laughs> what, what, you didn't have a DeLorean as a little kid? I was always getting trapped in my DeLorean when I was six, seven years old. Anyway, where the hell are we in this show? Um, oh, uh, Demolisher... Um, he okay the the bridge like the shield warp thing goes off this i actually really liked where demolisher sacrifices himself he sees that megatron's about to get blasted by like the wall yeah of this. it's coming up behind him yeah and he uh he flies in and knocks Meg megatron out of the way and gets destroyed and again we have a really really good 2d animation of a face in pain mind you but it's way better and much more emotive than any of the CGI faces in this show. Except the dialogue doesn't really match the expression on the face. Because it's oh, still no, not Demolisher's not really concerned about anything voice. Like, oh, I'm going to get you, Optimus. I'm going to get you. Like, that's it. Yeah, you will pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a little bit where Ironhide watches and he's like, oh, I, I think it's a flashback of like old demolisher but yeah uh, standing there on earth yeah then everybody just forgets about him and for what it's worth demolisher was a decepticon but also served with the autobots for 10 fucking years and nobody even mentions him once after this nope and all that's left to him is his spark which megatron catches and the megatron has some other line too but oh you'll pay for this and the decepticons retreat and optimus orders the ship through the space bridge now that they got it fixed and he thanks kicker for what he did and he kicker couldn't have done it without me Carlos calls the Autobots and tells them he's detected two signals coming from two planetary systems and thinks that's strange. Well, yes it is, but not for any reason they mention. What is strange is that we saw Ironhide put one tracker on one Terracon. How is it that the signal is now two? That's what they should be questioning, because then it's obvious it's an enemy trick. But even if Ironhide did put two trackers on two Terracons, Terracons move! There's nothing strange about two different signals coming from two different places if you attach the trackers to things that move. Scientists do it with birds and sharks and bears and shit all the time. Now, if you had attached the things to a tree, then yes, you'd question why the signals are now coming from two different places, because trees don't move, at least not on their own. And it doesn't prove the enemy has two bases, it just proves that the tracking devices are in two different spots. That's it. For all the Autobots know, the Terracons discovered the things, took them off, and left them behind. They're basically big cats. Maybe one was scratching behind his ear and the thing came off, he didn't even notice. Or maybe he did and battered it around the floor for a minute until it went under the fridge or the stove. <laughs> Here we are at the end of another episode of the Transformers Nitpickers podcast show. Still in the backseat to lose DeLorean. Uh, Paul, what did you think of Go for Unicron, was it called? Yeah, that's what it was called. Now, I, this is another one of these episodes where if you spoke Japanese, I bet this episode is awesome. But it felt very poorly translated. Like the, the part where Rodimus meets Megatron for the first time in forever. That could have been so much better written. Like, Rodimus could be like, there's something about you. That voice, that laugh, Megatron, it is you. Like, it's something like that. Yeah, th all of the episodes seem to have that problem to some degree of, of the translation issue. And it's when there's a little, when the episode doesn't offer much more, if there's not a great action scene or a, a big reveal or something, then the, it becomes much, that translation issue becomes much more obvious, I find. Again, with Kicker's back on the horse moment I called it that could have been done so much better written so much better I should say because the animation for it is perfect but what we're seeing doesn't match what we're hearing right like the, the Autobots just 
keep going, you can do it, and wave your arms, and other stupid shit, when it should have been, he gets out there, and then he seizes up again, and they just encourage him, like, Kicker, you can do this. That suit has a jetpack. You can control your movement with it. Like, stuff like that. You Only you can help us. You can do it. Like, because that's what it looks like the animation is saying. Although I would have loved it if after, just because he tripped, they were all like, Jesus Christ, Kicker, again? <laughs> oh, my God, we've already offered you, like, get over it. But yeah, it, there was not a lot I liked about this. I did like uh, Michael getting a new suit. Um, I thought that looked really good on her. Uh, and just because, especially because... Like, she was in, I don't know if it was last episode, it was a couple episodes ago, where she was just literally in a schoolgirl skirt running into, like, a Mayan pyramid. I was like, Jesus Christ. So so Mary's, like, on the team now. <laughs> I, You know, here's the thing I really would like to know, Paul, if Demolisher will return. Uh, but the next episode that Paul and I are going to review is the return of Demolisher. <laughs> So I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> if you want to see a couple bad jokes, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at John Selby, Paul's Epi McPherson 1. Uh, but you can email the show at transformersnitpickers at gmail.com. Yep, make sure you rate and review us on your podcast app, whatever it is you listen to us with, and tell all your friends, tell everybody you know. You can tell them that they can find old episodes of the Transformers Nitpickers podcast show at transformersnitpickers.podbean.com. And until the next episode, keep on transforming. See you later. closed and lean forward. If it doesn't stop in five minutes, we'll pack your nose with gauze and pinch it closed for ten more minutes. If it's still bleeding, then see a doctor. The bleeding stopped. Now we know how to stop a nosebleed. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe!